Dear God, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Thank you just um, for this place to worship freely. Um, I know not everybody has that opportunity, and I know during our, um, you know, the start of the school year, all our schedules are busy. We don't exactly get this time all the time. Um, we're just so thankful for it. Um, I thank you for everyone that's in attendance today. I ask that as we go into the message, God, that you just um, bless Andy um, with the words that you want him to say, God, and that everyone here will have the ears to listen and that they will have open hearts, open minds just to receive it and um, really just use it and apply it to their own lives, God. And I just thank you for Andy. Um, and I thank you for the heart that you've given him just to serve others and just to um, win more souls for your kingdom. Um, we pray in your name. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, everybody. Oh, that was almost good. Let's start with some energy and enthusiasm, maybe even a smile. Good morning, everybody. Listen, I get to do lots of chapels. I get to see lots of things. And you need to know something uh, that they did not ask me to comment on this at all, but I'm going to choose to do this. Can I be straight up with you? A lot of chapel worship bands are completely lame, and yours is not. Uh, would you give them a hand? How can you say that anyone who worships the Lord is lame? Well, it's because they're lame sometimes. Uh, I mean, I'm not com commenting on anyone's heart, but skill sets. You guys are blessed, man. That is awesome. Do me a favor. Turn to whoever you're sitting next to and say, your day just got better because you're sitting by me. Go ahead and tell them. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Sterling, for the opportunity to come and share with you. Uh, we're a church that has a heart for this community, and there are several churches in this community that would love to connect with you and make sure that you understand that what happens on this campus is so significant, but uh, as you grow, make sure that you're investing in one of those communities as well so that you can grow and expand and that they can be blessed by you and you can be blessed by them. Uh, and sometimes that's difficult because you got a lot of challenges as a college student, don't you? I, I know I, I have a few degrees under my belt, and I will tell you this, one of the scariest times in your life is when they hand you the syllabus. That's just a scary, scary time when you get that syllabus. In your, is it all digital now, or do they still hand out syllabus? Well, you still hand them out. You get them in your hands. Those are some scary documents, aren't they, right? Because there's this standard of what you're needing to do and, uh, and what's expected of you and what the next few weeks are going to hold. In just a second, I want to talk to you about the syllabus for the Christian life. Uh, that I believe that we've been given uh, a standard, a syllabus for the Christian life, and that can be scary as well. Let me talk to you about fear. I've been uh, in Hutchinson for uh, 17 years in this area, but I've been married for 25. I'm 48. That means I've been married more than half the length of my life. So I've been married longer than I have not been married. But I still remember it fresh as uh, yesterday when I, we first got together, when Kathy and I first started uh, cohabitating as a married couple, it was a new experience because I'd never even had a roommate before. When I went to college, I had a private room because I was that guy, right? I was, uh, I, I was there. And so to actually have a roommate, and then not just a roommate, but somebody I was sharing the, the bed with at night, and there was, they were in my space all the time. And I was working as a disc jockey, and she had like a normal job, and so I had late hours, and she had early hours, and we barely saw 
saw each other the first couple years, it was just a blur. And I remember coming in one night super late, middle of February in Kansas, which is the opposite of hell. You know, if hell were a freezing place, it would be Kansas in February, right? And, and I come in, and I'm so cold, and I sit on the edge of the bed. I'm so tired because I'm working on my master's from Fort Hayes State. I'm working three jobs. I'm a youth pastor. I sit on the edge of the bed. I don't even get fully disrobed. Have you ever been so tired you just went to bed in your street clothes, all you did was kick off the shoes? Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's a wonderful place, isn't it, man? And then it's cold, so you pull the comforter over you. By the way, when I was pre-marriage, I never had a comforter. I had a sleeping bag on the bed for eight years. That's what I had. And so I had a comforter. And you know why they call them comfort comforters? Because they're comfortable. That's amazing, right? And so I laid down, I put a comforter over me, and I just felt the weight of them like, oh. And I mean, I started, I mean, I didn't go to sleep. I went directly from eyes open to REM. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That where, where drool is coming out right there, right on the edge of my mouth. And, and it was in that moment, in that darkness, when I had fully given myself to relaxing sleep, that I remember hearing my wife, my newlywed wife, go, <laughs> that's not what she said, but when you're half asleep, that's all I heard, right? It was like, is Gollum in bed with me right now? When, and I rolled over, and my eyes popped open wide, but it was so dark I couldn't see anything. I said, baby, did you say something? She goes, Andy, there's somebody in the room with us. I went, what? She goes, they're in the kitchen, I think. I'm like, what are you talking about? Andy, there was somebody in the kitchen. And when she said that, I remember my first thought was, well, go get him. <laughs> you, you ever have a thought that you don't let come out your mouth because you know it's not right? That was one of those thoughts. I was able to stop, and I'm like, okay, that's not her job. And I knew what she said, but I didn't want to believe it so much. I asked again, baby, what did you say? Andy, there is somebody in the kitchen. And I started to freak out. I sat up on the edge of the bed, and I thought, I don't have a gun. I don't have a knife. He's in the kitchen. Dude has all the knives. <laughs> all I can find. <laughs> So he just had a vision of me dying by a butter knife. And all I had was this lamp, and it wasn't even a cool lamp. It was like a glass vase lamp. You couldn't even swing it, right? But I had the presence of mind to unplug it and cradle it and start crawling along the bed. And I got to the door, and I'm getting ready to launch out the door and go protect my family and, and think this is it. Because when I, I was in college, right, when I leave the bedroom, I'm in the kitchen. He's right there. And so I'm getting ready to go, and my heart's racing, and my eyes are starting to adjust, and I look over to see my wife, who I'm sure is going to be on the edge of the bed, comforter pulled up to her chin, going, go, brave warrior, go, defend your family. And that's not what I saw. As my eyes adjusted, I saw it. She was there, laid out flat, completely relaxed, under the comforter. And that's when I realized, my wife talks in her sleep. Never knew it. I flicked the light on and set the lamp down. She goes, what's going on? You said there was somebody in the kitchen. She goes, uh, there's somebody in the kitchen? You said there was somebody in the kitchen. We had our first fight, 3 o'clock in the morning. I've had to learn to ignore anything she says before she stands up in the, in the bedroom. I've had to learn to ignore it. You want to know why? Because she has said some crazy stuff in the middle of the night. The worst wasn't even a word. Do you know how terrifying it is? To be fully asleep and have a face this close to you go. <laughs> it's usually nonsense, numbers and names. But one night, I'm telling you, she distinctly said, I found someone else. I'm leaving you. I woke her up. <laughs> want details. I want to know what you're dreaming right now. 
I don't know that I've been as scared as I was in that moment when I thought I was going to have to fight off a burglar that had all the kitchen knives with the, with the lamp from my bedroom. You know what I found out to be amazing about that moment is that there was nothing that I should have, I was terrified. I wasted a good scare. I shouldn't have been afraid of anything. And sometimes when you get a syllabus, I'm going to be straight up with you. You should be afraid. Be very afraid. Because you look at those standards, you go, how do I do? Oh, my goodness. I want to hand you a syllabus today, though, a syllabus on the Christian life. And you may be a little intimidated by it, but I want to tell you this. You shouldn't be afraid. That this is the greatest course, the greatest adventure that you're ever going to take. And it's pass-fail. Aren't those the best classes ever? Isn't that great? It's pass-fail. And the standard by which we get to live is not a have-to, it's a get-to. Everybody say, it's a get-to. So I want to challenge you as you enter into this. I know many of you here call yourselves believers, and you've come to this school that you know has faith. Some of you are here because it was a, a convenience, or maybe your family wanted you to go here, and you're not sure if you buy into this stuff. Others of you are here because this is just a place you could go, and you're just going to put up with all the religious stuff on the side. I'm glad that each and every one of you are here. Here's what I believe scripturally. The reason that you're here, not just today, but the reason that you're at the college is Jesus said, no one, everybody say no one, no one comes unto the Father unless the Father draws them. So that means whether you're here because you ran here, or you're here because you lollygagged here, or you're part of the drug ministry because someone drugged you here, yeah, 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 that you're only here because whether you believe it or not, the God of the universe wants to communicate these things to you. He has a desire for you even before you have a desire for him. And so I know we prayed and we've done all this, but before we get into this simple coursework, the syllabus for the Christian life, let me pray for us once again. And I want to pray for you that you would be able to hear things however God wants you to hear them, okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your word, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to correctly hear. This speaker is broken. I am not anywhere close to prepared, perfect, or... Um, worthy to deliver this. But as we're all on this journey together, I pray in the name of Jesus, you just show us what needs to be done and the great adventure that you have in front of us. It is in the fantastic and wonderful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And all God's people said, all right, let me take you to Micah, Old Testament prophet, Micah, one of the minor prophets, uh, Old Testament prophet, Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. I really only want to talk to you about verse 8, but you've got to see it in context. And this is one of the places that you could really draw on a syllabus for the Christian life. Here we go. It says in Micah chapter 6, verse 6, what, with what shall I come before the Lord? Shall I bow, my, bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings with the calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn son for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, the first thing we have to understand is that the majority of this passage is on what God doesn't want. What he doesn't want. These are the things that are not required of you. And it's important because so many of us major on stupid stuff. How many of you would like, hey, have you ever done this before? I, this happened to me in fifth grade. I want to tell you it was fifth grade so you know I didn't do this in college. But a teacher gave us a test and said follow the instructions uh, completely. And it was a long test. And we only had like 30 minutes to do this. And I did the math. I saw 100 questions. You got to do more. You got to do like two or three questions a minute. And the first thing it said was read through the test entirely. And I said, well, skip that. And I started pounding through it. And I got to the very last question. Do you know what it said? 
only do the first question. Didn't follow instructions, and I wasted all that energy. Here's what God does. He gives us a plan on how not to waste your spiritual energy. And here's the first part of this. Let me take you to it. The first thing that you see is what God doesn't want, outward displays of devotion just to be seen. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? God's not looking for you to have some kind of spiritual display. He doesn't want you to perform for him so that others see it or that he sees it. Yes, there is some value in displaying your Christian character. Yes, there's value in living out a life that somebody can see. But when you do it just to be seen, that's not what God wants. God wants your heart. On the count of three, when everybody say heart. Ready? One, two, three. He wants your heart. And if we do things just to be seen, let me give you an example. What if you go to church just because you want to make sure that the Christian girl that you're pursuing sees you at church? Knock it off. What if you come to chapel just because you got to get scanned in? That's hmm? not... That, that's fulfilling a requirement here, but that's doing nothing for your connection with God. It has to be deeper than that. And we're all concerned with image. Look at whoever you're sitting next to say, especially you. Go ahead and tell them. Have you ever tripped in public? Let me ask you this question. Have you ever, I mean, I don't mean just tripped. Like my wife says, she's five foot three. My wife is convinced that someday she's going to fall five feet to her death. She just tripped. She's a little clumsy. I love her to pieces, but we have an old section of huts that we live in where the sidewalk's all broken, and if we walk at night, she walks like this with her head straight down. She's watching because she, she doesn't want to trip. Now, have you ever tripped in public? Let me just test this. If you've ever tripped and fallen all the way down, is the first thing you do is lay there and go, <laughs> what a foolish life I lived. <laughs> or do you grab your knee and go, oh, that hurts so bad. Or do you deny the pain? and defy gravity, and spring back up and swivel your head to see who saw that. <laughs> We're all consumed with it, and God isn't interested in it. Does that make sense? Here's the second thing that's not required of you. Sacrificial offerings that we think are earning us something. Shall I bring burnt offerings or calves a year old? I hear this all the time. Well, I know I'm not being blessed because I haven't been given in the offering. Really? You think God's that broke? He's got you on a collection plan? Well, I know if I give this money. TV preachers are horrible about this. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get somebody in trouble. I don't want somebody mad at me. But if you sow a seed of faith of $500, God's going to give you $1,500 back this week. I sense it. Touch the screen. Touch the screen. Don't touch the screen, touch the remote, change the channel. <laughs> if we think we're giving something, because if we give it, now we've got favor, or we give it, and now we've got blessing, or we give it, and now we're kind of on the end. Listen, your faith isn't about paying dues to get benefits as a member. God's not interested in that. Does that make sense? Third, what else are we not required to do. Incredible overflowing worship, but for whom? Did I do that right? Is, there, is whom the right use of that? I'm at college. You better get an answer to this at some point. 
will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? He's talking about sacrifice, right? With thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers, not just a little oil, with 10,000 rivers of oil. Great googly moogly. That's a worship service right there, right? Old Testament worship, right? They would, they would sacrifice an animal and anoint someone with oil. But not just that. What, what about 10,000 rams? What about rivers of oil? Now that's worship. Can, can I be straight up with you? I, I come from a high-tech church. We, people say, you put on a rock concert. I go, yeah, kind of we do. That's what, that's what we do. What, can God be honored by that? Yeah, it's all about your heart. doesn't matter. Can I be straight up with you? I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you a secret. Are you ready for this? I'm not even really a fan of what we do. <laughs> I mean, I think it's got skill. It's great. You know what my favorite worship is? Sorry, Michael. <laughs> He's our campus pastor. <laughs> uh, let me tell you what I like. I like one guy with a guitar who really can't even sing. <laughs> I heard you. You can sing. Knock it off. You know what I'm talking about? And, and it's not that any of it's bad, but my personal preference is I just like the super simple, I, 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 I like that. Now, what, what we do, I get caught up in worship when my heart is right. Even if I don't like the style, I'm like, oh, this was really good. God, God was here. My boys, they play in the band. Drummer, guitar player, bass player. I mean, they're in it, the full show. They, the, my, my, my son's going to school to do audio production. I mean, that's where he's at. I'm not against it. But what I'm saying is when we go, oh, that worship was amazing, well, we usually mean is, I really enjoyed it. And that is the opposite of what worship is. You need to be able to get done and go, did God really enjoy that? Was my heart right? Was my attitude right? Because if you leave and you go, that's my favorite worship. I love that song. Mm. I'm just in the spirit. There were 10,000 rams today, man, rivers of oil. It was amazing. It's not what God's into. Are you all following me on this? It's not what he wants. Make sure you hear before I get past this. Guy with a guitar, can you have worship there? Yeah. Huge band, great lights, can you have worship there? It, it does, that's secondary to what's going on here, which is what God wants. There's one more thing, one more thing that he doesn't want. Your absurd repentance. No double billing. Shall I give, look at what it says. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? What? You see, some of you still come to worship. Some of you avoid worship. Some of you struggle with this whole thing because you have a past. Because you have a history. Because your history is still updating as of this morning. And we have issues. By the way, everybody take a big deep breath. If you can do that, you have issues. As soon as you stop doing that, your issues are over. But as long as you, you, you have issues, and let me help you out, we get this absurd repentance. Oh, if I just go to church, this time I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock every day. I'm going to read and pray for two hours. I'm never going to miss chapel. I'm going to stop. What, what, what if my, my sin is so bad, I feel so bad. What if I sacrifice my own son and give him to you? Are you kidding me? No double billing. What do I mean by that? There was already a father who gave his son. 
I think I'm going to preach over here. <laughs> there was already a father who gave his son. And if you come along and say, that was good, but mine is better. Or that almost cut it, but mine will add to it. That is absurd. The price has already been paid. A father has already given his son for the forgiveness of sins. God says, I don't don't want that. Your guilt comes from the devil, but conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Guilt drives you away from God. Conviction draws you toward God. And the same brokenness, the same history, the same past, if it pushes you further away from God, that is not of him. But if it causes you to fall on your knees and give him your true heart and accept the son that he has already given, that is of the Holy Spirit of God. Because he wants to, these things he don't want. Now we better get to it real quick. I've only got a few minutes. What are the things that he does want? Here's the syllabus. What does God want from you? He has told you, oh man, what is good. First of all, I don't know what God wants from me. Yes, you do. Well, I just don't know what God wants. He has told you, oh man, what is good. Quit being creative. People are like, I I need to go to Indonesia for the next six years and live in poverty. Well, maybe you do. But that is a very specific calling, and you better get a red phone call from Jesus if that's what you're going to do. Because he's already told you. Everybody say, he's already told. He's already told you. Now, what does he say? He's already told you, man, what is good. And what does the Lord require? That's an important word. Everybody say, require. This is not a list for the spiritual elite. What we're about to see is not for those who've really got it going on. This syllabus is pass-fail. By the way, if you love Jesus, you've already passed the class. Y'all hear me on this? For the rest of the course, how do we live with thankfulness? If you had a professor who said, all you got to do is show up, I'm going to give you all an A. Would that be your favorite professor for the rest of the? We love you. We're here. We're here. We're here. Whenever class is, we're here. The rest of this class is now, how do you respond to a father who's already given his son for you? These are the requirements. Everybody say requirements. These are the things required for every believer. Here's the first one. Go ahead and click that for me. You need to take steps every day to correct wrongs. He has told you, man, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To do justice. Everybody say, do justice. Now, what does do justice mean? First of all, we all know what justice is. We know what injustice is. The world is filled with them. But it's very specific. Do justice. Not no, not protest, not pray, but do something about injustice or for justice. You go, so do I need to dedicate my life to this cause? Maybe. I don't know. But did you know you can do justice every day in the cafeteria? Let me give you an example. There are people who are at a Christian-based school who are absolutely alone because they didn't fit the mold of whatever social constructs there are. Do you know how you can do justice? Have lunch with somebody. There's an opportunity for you to cheat in every single class. Do you know how you do justice? Let's see if we can fill in the blank. How do you do it? Don't cheat. Yes. Every teacher, repeat after me. No, never mind. You don't cheat. Do you know what the problem with Christianity is? Is we live in a bubble. We live in an echo chamber. In America especially. 
We get in sociological groups that point at each other. We get in economic diversified uh, stratas, and we, we label each other. We get in different geographic realms, and, 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 we, and we ignore one another. Let me, let me explain it to you this way. I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. And whether you, amen, got a couple, couple out there. Huge Dallas Mavericks fans. Dirk Nowitzki is the, the greatest man of all times in my mind. And, and you can hate, I'll hate all you want. Um, but let me tell you, I've developed a horrible habit over the years since they've come out with something called a DVR. It, have you ever DVR'd a game and be like, don't tell me, don't tell me, I'm going to watch it. Have you ever been that way before? You ever had a game and you're like, don't, don't, don't tell me, I'm going to go home and watch it. I'm never that way. Because the Dallas Mavericks, even though they're my favorite team, just aren't that good. And I'm not a fair weather fan. I'm going to be with them whenever, except I want to know, because if they didn't win, I ain't watching it. <laughs> and if they win, I'm watching it twice, because I got the time. You know? It's like one out of every five games. I got to watch. We're good. I love the Dallas Mavericks, but I, refu- I, I look, hey, I got to go home and watch a game. Why is it good? We won. You free tonight? Let me check. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought the Mavs were playing. They did. I ain't watching. Let me help you out. You can't DVR life. You can't ignore injustice. If you're a believer, this is what the Lord requires. Everybody say requires. So the Lord requires of you to do, not just know, to do, not just believe, to do, not just be infuriated, to do justice. Everybody say, do justice. And what is that? It is to take steps to correct wrongs. Here's the second thing. Be faithful to be kind. And he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and love kindness. On the count of three, everybody say, love kindness. Ready? One, two, three. Some of you who grew up with the NIV or the King James says, love mercy. It's very much the same thing. The word kindness in the Hebrew is hesed, and it has a connection to covenant love. And so we faithfully, covenantally love one another. And the the negative is do justice, correct things that are wrong. The positive is this, and do good. Look every day. Everybody say every day. As a follower of Christ, we should be looking every day for an opportunity. How do we get out there and we do some good in this world? Now, the problem is, I bet most of us are genuinely decent people, right? Now, first of all, let me make, make my theological statement here. We're all broken sinners, but we're de- generally good people. And so here's the issue. We get up in the morning, and we want to do good, but we have a problem. We keep running into something, people. And people beat the goodness out of you every single day, don't they? Let, let me give you an example. We just got to do this real quick here. Um, uh... What is the fast food restaurant on the end of town we have here? We have a Sonic down here? Is that what that is? Does Sonic have a drive-thru? Okay, oh, isn't that crazy? The drive-ins now have a drive-thru, whatever. Uh, we have a drive-thru. Okay, but we also have, on the other end of town, we have a store. What is the store? Well, Dairyland. I'm talking about the where you get groceries. <laughs> Dairyland. <laughs> There's Dylan's on the other end of town, right? There's Dylan's on the other end of town. So let's just say that you wanted to get something to eat and you had to make a decision. I think I would like some chicken alfredo. So you decide I'm going to get in my car or on my bike and I'm going to hustle down 
to Dylan's. That's going to take me five, ten minutes. I'm going to shop. It's going to take me 15 minutes to shop. I'm going to come home. I'm going to prepare the pasta. That's another 15, 20 minutes. Uh, because I'm not allowed to cook in the dorms, I bought pre-cooked chicken, but I can nuke it. That's going to take another three or four minutes. Uh, then I'm going to put the sauce on it and realize that that was bad and, and, uh, and put something in it and then put more sauce. It's going to take me 15, 20 minutes to get that all ready. And then we, so here, here's how that works. It's going to take you 10, 15 minutes there. Then you've got to cook it. You've got you to bring it back. You've got to cook it. You've got to eat it. You're about an hour, hour 15 to have a good chicken Alfredo meal right there in your dorms. Let's just say you want to go the other direction and you want to get a number one with mayo and not mustard because that's stupid. Isn't that right? And so you go and get a number one and you're pulling through. Do you know what the average drive-through experience is? The national consumer drive Do you know what it is? It's three minutes. It's three minutes. You are supposed to be, I want you all to capture that feeling you're feeling right there. Because here's what happens. If they take five minutes, I'm just taking a survey. How many of it at five to seven minutes, you have already lost your stinking mind? Raise your hands. Put your hands up right now if that's you. If you had to sit there for ten minutes, how many of you would just throw an absolute internal hissy fit? Go ahead and raise your hands. How many, about, how many of you drive away and you realize that they didn't give you your fries are now calling down Armageddon on Sonic? Has any? Look at me. Quit being so mean. It takes you an hour and a half to make bad chicken Alfredo. Give them five minutes to serve the hundreds of people that come through. Just be nice. Say it with me. Just. Last one, last one. But this is the most important part. Carefully live with God every day. This shouldn't be legalistic. I want to make sure you understand this is not about your faith. He has already paid the price for you. How do you live as a follower? It says walk humbly with your God. The word humbly is not the word they use for humble anywhere else in the Old Testament. This word for humble means to actually walk carefully. To walk carefully. So my last thought. I brought this not because it's raining today, but it has. It's been swampy out there, hasn't it? Is anybody superstitious? Don't be superstitious. You want to know why? Because the devil can't read your mind, nor does he know the future, so that's the only way he can control you. I have kicked a black cat while I walked under a ladder and broke a mirror. <laughs> and I'm still here today. Okay, why do I have this out? My umbrella, it broke. <laughs> All right, good enough. That is not a sign. <laughs> Umbrellas, they are fantastic for keeping you. Very good. When it's raining, they keep you dry. Do you know how an umbrella works? Like this. Not like this. The only way an umbrella works is if you stay under its covering. Do you want to know people, I counsel people all the time who've lost their faith or don't believe in God. And the reason they is they, that, that God didn't love me, God didn't protect me. But when I go back and listen to them, they spent the majority of their life living outside the coverage of God. Do you know what his word is for you? It is the coverage of of God for your life. Some of us believe in the coverage of God. There it is. Some of us value the coverage of God. And many of us revere the coverage of God. And some of us even defend the coverage of God. But none of that keeps you in the right place under the coverage of God. 
Here is what the Lord requires of you. That every day, everybody say every day. You would take a step to correct a wrong. And every day, everybody say every day. You would do good in Jesus' name. And finally, every day, everybody say every day. You would stay under the coverage of God and live under his blessing. That you would walk carefully with him. I'm already three minutes late. God bless you. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. And I pray that as we continue on, we would actually enroll in this course that you have offered us. May you always see that we are weak and frail, but continue to give us another chance. And thank you that we don't have to provide what you've provided for us. Let us simply learn to follow after you. Let us simply learn that we should do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, God bless you.